Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. Episode of Blush, excuse me. <laughs> I'm your host, Heba, and... It's my second time doing this. <laughs> so I was just recording. Everything was great. I was being witty. I was being entertaining. I was being fucking funny. And then I look over at the screen. Oh, and then I started to get a little bit of sometimes I get anxiety. Like, oh, my God, is the camera actually recording? Whatever. I look over at the computer screen and and I checked a few times as we were recording. Everything was normal. And then the file got corrupted and the whole thing is garbage and now we're doing take two who knows maybe it'll be better the second time around maybe I'll defy the odds probably not we'll see (laughs) okay happy Thanksgiving week you guys or if you're listening on Thursday happy Thanksgiving or if you're listening at another time happy day (laughs) um so this is we're approaching holiday season, right? Thanksgiving's the beginning of holiday season officially, right? Because like Halloween isn't that type of holiday. Like it's not like the holidays type of holiday, right? Right? Am I right? Like, I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) but like Thanksgiving is the beginning of the holidays that we spend with family. And I was going to say it's really only two, but I guess, I guess we call it holidays because I'm sorry, there's just mint leaves all over my mouth right now. We call it holidays because because like not everyone's Christian and there's other holidays around then. Although I always love when they try to like rope in Ramadan with it. It's not like like Ramadan isn't like that type. It's not that type of holiday, guys. Like it's not you don't happy Ramadan, you know. Um, anyway, it's the beginning of the time when we spend with family that was not grammatically correct that sounded like just a jumble of words whatever um and which is also where we get triggered right we tend to get really triggered around our family they have years of training and triggering us and I really like to think of this as like being triggered season you know it's beginning to look a lot like being triggered (laughs) um okay I will never sing again I'm so sorry it's honestly shocking how bad I am at it. Like, I remember I was listening to someone or something be like, yeah, I actually think that like most people really could sing. I was like, not this bitch, not this bitch. Um, anyway, so here's my advice. If you are, by the way, it feels like I'm fucking shouting. Like, why am I talking so loud? <laughs> or is it in my head? It feels like I'm being really fucking loud. Um, okay. So far, so good. So far, so good. The file has not been corrupted, but this is going to be a new type of like PTSD I have now. Anyway, um, if you are traveling to see your family, or even if you're not, quite frankly, this is a good exercise, but I just say this for people who are seeing their families who like tend to be triggered by family. Make a new note on your phone. Like, you know, you've like notes on Apple or whatever, wherever is easy and convenient to you for you to be writing things down on the regular and call it your triggers list and start writing down every single time that you feel triggered, irritated, upset, angry, fearful, whatever. Write down what the incident was, how you feel, how you feel in your body and like make a note of the date. This is going to be so fucking helpful for you when you are working through things, when you're trying to up level, when you're trying to upgrade, when you're trying to do the inner work. And there's a lot of assignments that we do around this in the Blush Academy. But even if you're not in the Blush Academy, just start doing this like it is so, like later you can look and see if there are like trends and through lines and it'll, it'll really give you so much information about where you have to do inner work and where you have unresolved trauma. So instead of thinking of this week as like, oh God, I'm going to have to deal with like my annoying ass parents and like my dad making comments about how I've gained weight and my mom making comments about how I'm still single and all these things. Instead, 
be like, okay, like when my dad makes comments about my weight, it triggers me. Why does it trigger me? Well, because you yourself are insecure about your weight. If you weren't insecure about your weight, then you wouldn't be triggered by it. Like back when I had a fucking eating disorder and people commented about me being too thin, I was never fucking triggered. Guess what? Because I loved being that thin, you know? So it wasn't triggering. Whereas like, you know, like if you're reacting to it, it's because like you yourself are insecure about it. So you can then do the inner work so that you're no longer insecure about it. Although, Good luck working through weight issues. <laughs> Not like good luck, like it can't be done. It's just one of those things where like I only teach what I know and like I am yet to work through my body image issues. So I would never pretend that I know how people can get there. It's just I think there's it's such a loaded issue and there's so much societal stuff in there. And yeah, anyway. That's just kind of my tip for Thanksgiving. If you're in the Blush Academy, make sure to go look at the Q&A update for this week because I have a little um, Thanksgiving week ritual that we can all do together this week. But it really starts at the beginning of the week. Like I want you to be tracking your triggers throughout the week so that over the weekend you can do the ritual. But it really requires having your triggers throughout the week tracked. So yeah, that's just my tip. Um, if you're traveling, please Please be safe. It's, you know, the biggest travel season of the year. Um, you know, there's heaps of traffic, um, yada, yada, you know, j- j- just be safe out there, guys. Like, I'm such a mom when it comes to cars. If by mom, you mean like psychotically crazy. Um, like literally when I get out of Ubers, I'm like, OK, drive safe, please. And they're like, what? Like, when did you push me out of your vaginal canal, bitch? You don't get to tell me to be safe. But I just, oh, I'm so afraid of cars. Okay, um, let's move right along. So this Sunday marks three years exactly since Ozzy and I went on our very first date. We actually matched a year and a half before that first date. So we matched on Bumble four and a half years ago, but we didn't meet up for a year and a half. He would like message me every once in a while when he's like fucking not even in the country. And then I remember one time he messaged me, this was probably like September of 2020 and like said something and I was like who is this because I changed phones or something and I didn't have my old like chat history with him in there and so when I had, didn't have his number saved and so like it just like came up as this like sudden message and he's like oh hey it's Ozzy obviously he didn't say Ozzy he said his real name also if it's your first time listening hello I'm sorry I'm tripping over so many words I just like ate a bunch of shit in between when my file got corrupted and getting things going again I had to restart the whole computer it was the whole thing anyway now I feel like I'm like okay I should have flossed I should have flossed I feel like I have mint in my teeth anyway (laughs) um where was I going with this um oh Yeah. So he texts me and is like, hey, oh, if it's your first time listening. Yeah. So my partner um, is not named Ozzy. We just call him Ozzy because he's Australian and everyone kind of has nicknames on the show. So it was just a nickname we gave him back when I was originally seeing him and it stuck. So we still call him that on the podcast, but it's not his actual name. Although funny story, his grandfather's nickname was Ozzy, um, which is so random. His aunt told me that when I first met her and um, she had listened to the pod and she's like, oh, it's so funny that you call him Ozzy because that was what we called his grandfather. And it just like made me really nostalgic. Um, Anyway. uh, Oh, yeah. So Ozzy texted me like September of 2020 ish. And I didn't know who it was. So I was like, who is this? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's Ozzy from um, Tinder like a million years ago. And I was like, just in a bad mood that day. And I was like, "Uh, I've never had fucking Tinder. And I don't know who the fuck you are. And he was like, oh, 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 okay, sorry. Um, It may have been Bumble. And I was like, oh, okay, like send me a screenshot of your profile because I can't remember. And he did. And I was like, oh, I remember you. And we started talking, whatever. Like such a cunt from day one. Anyway, um, yeah, so then when I launched the podcast, 
three years or like, you know, October of 2020, I went through my texting history and I sent a link to everyone I'd been texting with, including him. So we talked a little bit about the podcast. And then on actual Thanksgiving, he texted me happy Thanksgiving with like a photo of a sweet potato casserole with like marshmallows on it. And I sent back a photo of the sweet potato dish I had made, which was like stunning and had a bunch of edible flowers on it. And then we were messaging back and forth a little. And I was like, hey, what are you doing this Sunday? You want to get a drink at 1 p.m. at this bar? And he was like, yeah, sure. And so Sunday rolls around and I realized I'd been drunk on Thanksgiving and I had scheduled three different dates with three different guys for the exact same um, time. And I was like, "Okay, like, what are my options here? I could cancel two and keep one. That would be the conventional way to do things. Another approach could be I could do like a Mrs. Doubtfire type situation, right? Like, I mean, I don't think the bar would have been big enough to have all three of the guys in the same place. Like, they definitely would have seen me. Like, you can see all the tables. But there is a bar right next door and there is a bar right across the street because that bar is on a corner. So I could have had the three guys at three different bars that are like right next to each other. And then I could have like bounced between, right? I could have been like, ooh, I'm going to the bathroom and then like snuck out the back door, gone through the alley and gone to the other bar and then sat on. I could have done it. I could have done it. And here's the thing, though. It's probably good that I didn't because I feel like if I had done that, the guys would have been like, okay, this girl either has like a serious cocaine problem or like really has the runs because she is spending an exceptional amount of time in the bathroom. (laughs) So yeah, I did not end up doing that. I ended up, Sunday rolled around and I was like, okay, this is the only guy that I actually told a place to and... He seems real fucking crazy, and that might make for really good podcast stories. So I ended up keeping that date. Oh, and then at the time, I was reading Harry Potter for the first time, and I'd never seen the movies. And so there were ways that I pictured each character in my head because I didn't know what they looked like in the movies. And Dumbledore, I always pictured as being tall, thin, and having like really long, wavy hair and glasses because that's excuse me, but like kind of how he's described in the books. Like it's only in the movies that he's overweight. Although in the movies, he's played by like three different people, right? Like it's not, it's, I swear, I think he's played by three different people throughout the seven movies. Um, Apparently there's some kind of curse around who plays Dumbledore because well, a lot of those people fucking died. Um, Anyway, so when he approached on our first date, I remember being like, oh my God, it is Dumbledore. And so that already set the tone really well. But then really, this is going to sound like so cheesy, but my first date with Ozzy was the first time in my life that I think I was truly, truly my full authentic self. And let me explain. I always internally have been very silly, but I feel like I have had a really hard time like owning and showing up as that version of myself. Like as a kid, I was really isolated. Like I wasn't around other kids a lot. Um, And I just like, it felt like I didn't know how to be a kid. Like I remember when I first went to preschool and stuff, like I was like, I don't like what, it was my first time, literally, it was literally my first time being around other kids when I went to preschool. And I like, I didn't know how to play. Like I only knew how to do, and like I had very like, serious like humorless kind of parents (laughs) like humorless is a little mean but like they're just not like very like jokey and playful kind of parents you know so it's like they weren't like playing with me the way like you know like like some like Ozzy for example knows how to play with kids and like let them be kids whereas my parents didn't know that stuff so I remember in preschool like I was like I literally don't know how to be a child like I really kind of had to learn and even that I didn't do that good of a job of and so I'd always repressed these sides of myself. And I remember like 
I would be home alone and I'd like make all these silly sounds and just be goofy and joke around by myself and make myself laugh and do weird, funny, silly dances. But I could never show that side of myself to people because I was just like too scared and too timid to fully step into myself. And then I remember when I was dating the comedian, he was always really silly, but it's like I couldn't reciprocate even though it was like shit that I was doing in my head, but I couldn't like... I don't know. I just like couldn't. I was too like timid and anxious and not sure of myself and just I couldn't step into being my full self. But then obviously since the comedian breakup, I'd done so much work on myself, especially really focusing on that authenticity piece and really trying to be like the most authentic, real version of myself. And um, on my first date with Ozzy, I remember I just like, I don't know. It's like something clicked. Like I could just like be myself. And I remember I was like making all these silly jokes and like weird sounds. And like we have all these inside jokes from our first date, from our very first date. And I just remember like being like, wow, I had so much fun. And like in part, yes, because he's amazing, but in part because I was myself in front of someone else for the very first time in my life. And that is such a fucking cool feeling. So yeah, maybe this Thanksgiving when you're triggered, think about my story. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But that whole story, like just thinking back on our first date reminds me of the fact that we are officially in cuffing season. And also side note, the very first time I heard that phrase, oh, if you don't know what it means, cuffing season means like it's like when people try to get like partnered up because, you know, it's about to be cold and it's about to be the holidays and everyone wants a partner for the holidays. And no one really like wants to be going out as much during the winter. So it's like, you know, there's kind of like a little bit of pressure to um, couple up. It's kind of like, um, what's that game called? Musical chairs. Yeah, musical chairs, right? Where there's like chairs in a circle and you like walk or dance or run whatever around the um, chairs while the music is playing. But then when the music is, when the music stops, everyone tries to rush and sit in a chair. And then usually there's like one fewer chair than there are people Um, But like, okay, (laughs) so the analogy kind of ends there with the chairs and the people numbers and things like that and people going out. But I feel like cuffing season is kind of like in musical chairs when the music goes out and everyone's just like running and trying to make sure that they get a chair. Everyone is just feeling that pressure to couple up so that, you know, you have someone to do cute holiday shit with. And when you go home for Christmas, your family isn't like, God, you're still fucking single. And like, um, you know, you have someone to do like cozy things on those cold winter nights with yada, yada, yada. And yeah, the very first time that I heard that phrase was uh, back when I was on dating apps. This guy either had it in his profile or when we were messaging said something about cuffing season. And I had never heard the phrase before. And I had just heard of pegging for the first time. And so in my head, I switched cuffing and pegging. <laughs> and so like imagine if someone had said something, something about it being pegging season. Like I was like, oh, 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 okay. So like there's a specific season for that. Like I just kind of assumed if you're into that, you do that year round. But no, is it like, is it okay? Cool. Yeah, no, to- totally, totally. Yeah, it's totally pegging season. No, um, not pegging season. I mean, every season should be pegging season, if you know what I mean. But um, not that I've engaged in any pegging throughout my life. I don't know that it would be for me, I have to say. Um, I'm all about, like, I feel like I really wear the pants in my relationship. I feel like I can be really bossy, but I, I don't want to fucking peg someone. Like, there's no part of that that's appealing to me. And I have to say, I'm really fucking grateful that I did not end up with a guy who really wants that because I think... I mean, listen, like if Ozzy tomorrow was like, I really want you to peg me like that's it's just something I've always wanted to try. Would I buy a strap on and go for it? Of course, because I love him. But 
I have to say, this Thanksgiving, I'm really fucking grateful that my boyfriend has not asked me to peg him. <laughs> what are you grateful for? Um, just kidding. We do that at the end of the episode. But yeah, it is cupping season. So I do want to kind of talk about how you can find that relationship this season. But before we get into that, we're going to do word of the week. If it's your first time listening, we usually start every episode by doing word of the week because this is a self-improvement podcast. And one of the ways that we can improve upon ourselves is to improve our vocabulary. And it's just a fun reminder, even if you already know the word, we're actually doing two words this week because one is a word that I'm sure you know and you know the definition of, but you might be wrong. It was in my book that I was reading the other night, actually, I just finished Lessons in Chemistry, 10 out of 10. Amazing. So perfect. Um, I finished it literally last night and I like almost cried. Um, I may have cried. Actually, I think I did cry. Um, I sometimes cry at the end of the book. So don't don't take too much from that. But um, but it was in Lessons in Chemistry. And as I was reading it, I was like, wait, what does this word mean again? It's one of those words that you think you know, but you might, but both Ozzy and I had the wrong definition in our heads. So that's why I put it as word of the week. And the other one is one that I actually heard that I don't think I've ever heard before. And it's a sick ass word. And if you drop it here and there, people are going to think you're smart as shit. Okay. So the one that I think you already know is, um, indelible. Excuse me. Um, indelible. It means making making marks that cannot be removed. Okay, sorry, that's not the definition I was looking for. Oh, but that is a definition of it. So that's like if you're using it about um like a pen or a marker or something, like an indelible marker pen. So like a permanent pen, I think. Um, but the other definition, which is the one that was used in the book and the one that I'm referring to is not able to be forgotten or removed. Oh, I guess I can see how the two definitions now interact. His story made an indelible impression upon me. Um, like a way that I see it used a lot is like making an indelible mark or, um, Actually, it was on the cover of um, Lessons in Chemistry, and it said an indelible heroine, like an unforgettable heroine, right? Um, Also, so unpleasant that heroine and heroine are pronounced the same way, you know, within the drug and... Okay. Anyway, the other one is facsimile. That's spelled F-A-C-S-I-M-I-L-E. And it means an exact copy, especially of written or printed material, a facsimile of the manuscript. I dare you to use facsimile in a sentence this week. Better yet, if you go on a first date, just drop a fucking facsimile. (laughs) I mean... You want to sound smart? That's going to make you sound really fucking smart unless you use it really wrong with someone who knows the definition already, in which case you will look not only not smart, but you're also going to look like a fucking douchebag. So I don't know where you want to take this, actually. Maybe you want to do it. Maybe you don't want to do it. Um, But yeah. um, Okay. So. If you want to like really be serious about ending up in a relationship this holiday season, I have a four-step, five-step, I think four-step plan for you. Step one, really practice self-awareness here and ask yourself why you don't have this relationship yet. Especially if you've been trying to couple up for a while now and it just hasn't worked for you, why not? There is a reason there is something going on here. You know, um, I remember like through most of my 20s, I was completely celibate, not really by choice, but because like whatever shit was going down. I was always like, God, like, why can't I meet a guy? Like, why can't I just like meet a single guy that I'm into? And looking back on it, it makes perfect sense to me. The last relationship I was in before my seven year celibacy was really fucking chaotic. I dated someone who had like very, very, very serious mental health problems. And 
it was a really scary relationship. Like it was really abusive in a lot of ways. He took advantage of me in a lot of ways. Like there's still a lot of trauma that I have from that relationship that I haven't fully worked through yet. And it makes complete sense to me that after that relationship, I was completely energetically closed off to other relationships. So one possible explanation as to why it hasn't happened for you is that you have some kind of personal unresolved trauma from a past relationship and your brain is afraid of taking you to that place again. So you're just pushing things away. Another, I remember it was like a few years after that. I may have been in law school already. I'm not entirely sure if I was or if I wasn't. I had a dream that, um, it's funny. I had like an inception style dream within a dream. So the first layer of the dream was that I was dating this guy. I was newly dating this guy. Everything was amazing. He seemed so great. Like, by the way, I hadn't had sex in like years at this point. I was really like, okay, why is this not happening for me? Right. Anyway. But like, um, you know, everything seemed great. Like he seemed like so charming, so amazing, whatever. And then within that dream, I had another dream. And in the other dream, I was looking like five, 10 years into the future. And I was married to that guy. And he was the worst person ever. He was like abusive, like physically abusive, mentally abusive, emotionally abusive, like extremely, extremely, extremely controlling. Um, like I was like constantly afraid of my actions and pissing him off and things like that. And, um, I remember, I do remember though in the dream, he had a massive dick, like massive dick to the point where I was like, whoa. Cause like, it's funny in the first layer of the dream, we hadn't had sex yet. It was like early us into dating. And then when I had the dream within the dream and I was looking into the future, I was like, oh shit, like this is what sex with him is like. Like, it was so funny. But then I was making my escape plan to escape from that marriage. And it wasn't like I could just leave or I could just divorce him because, he was so abusive and so scary that I really had to meticulously plan an escape plan. And then I woke up from both dreams and I was like, holy shit. And it clicked for me. I'm afraid of ending up like my mother. Like the reason that I'm not meeting guys, the reason that I'm pushing romance away is because I'm afraid of ending up like my mother. And so if you've been single for a while and you've been trying to, you know, like, manifest love, manifest a relationship, manifest partnership, and it just hasn't happened for you yet, take inventory of what kind of role models you have. Like, do you have people around you, people in your real life, even, uh, you know, people on TV, social media, et cetera, who have the type of relationship that you would want? Even if your parents have a really great marriage, it's possible that their marriage is not the type of relationship that you would want for yourself. So do you have any examples of the type of relationship that you would want? Because if not, then that could be one of the reasons why you're subconsciously pushing love and romance away because your brain is like, okay, relationship equals this. It equals this. It equals this. It equals these things that I've seen, but I don't want these things. So why would I enter into this? So until you find, you really see to believe that the type of relationship that you you want does exist, you're going to be subconsciously pushing it away. So that could be one possible explanation. Um, another, you know, when I was in law school, I had a very serious eating disorder that really took up like a lot of my time. Like other than studying, um, I would go out with my friends and I would devote devote time and energy and, you know, really a lot of time where I felt really fragile and really sick towards my eating disorder. At the same time, I had this friend who was very overbearing, very like, you know, those like main character kind of friends, which is fine. Um, but like she was really like one of those where she would like constantly have breakdowns and I'd have to drop everything to be at her beck and call. And now looking back on it, I can see very clearly how there were so many things that were taking the energetic place of partnership in my life, right? There was the eating disorder, which was taking up so much space and energy and time for me. There was that friend who really was like energetically kind of the space and energy and time that you would give to a 
partner. So like I didn't have energetic space in my life for a partner. Um, you know, it could be that you're like so committed to your job. You're working so many hours, your mind and your heart and everything is tied up to your work. So you don't have energetic space for a partner. It could be, um, you know, after the comedian and I broke up, I, was mourning him so much that I didn't have energetic space for someone new to come in. So it could be that like your ex is taking up the energetic space of a partner. It could be an overbearing friendship that's taking up the energetic space of a partner. It could be um, that you're really enmeshed with your parents or one parent or another family member that could be taking up the energetic space of partnership. Um, it could be... Uh, yeah, I don't know, some of those things. <laughs> or, you know, so something that you're going through right now, like me with the eating disorder or whatever, that could be taking up the energetic space that a partner would be taking up. Um, also, I feel like I had another example, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. I'm just going to refer to... Um, oh, another thing after the comedian and I broke up was I was in so much pain. And first I wasn't even accepting that it was over. Like I was like really in this delusional state where I thought we we're going to get back together. But once I really accepted that he was not the guy for me, then I was really like, okay, universe, like I've accepted that it's over and I'm ready to meet someone new. And like, here's what I want in a partner. And here's my list. And like, find me the guy. And like, I believe in manifestation and I'm gonna, you know, be in the frequency and find me the guy and it just wasn't fucking happening and in retrospect I see clearly why it wasn't happening it was because I was seeking to fulfill some other need through partnership I was seeking to you know get over the pain of my the comedian and my breakup I was seeking to have a sense of purpose I was seeking to um you know like achieve some of my goals through partnership instead of trying to achieve them through myself there were all these other voids that I was trying to fill with partnership, which by the way, partnership isn't going to fill any of those voids. And yes, when you first meet someone and you're first dating, you will feel really fucking happy because love gives you such a dopamine high and such a dopamine rush. It literally feels like a drug. So yes, in the beginning, you're going to feel amazing. You're going to feel invincible, but that dopamine high is going to wear off. And then you'll see all of your problems are still there. Like none of your problems have just magically gone away because you're with someone now. I can tell you that right fucking now. Anyway, if you've been single and you've been trying to be in a relationship and it hasn't happened for you yet, there is a reason why it hasn't happened. And you have to really get clear on that reason and work through that for it to then happen. So for step one, the action plan right now is take out your journal right at the top. Why am I not in a relationship yet? And every morning for the next week or so, set don't set a timer, three pages front to back, stream of consciousness, just write on this topic. And don't even think about what you're going to write. Don't put it just, the pen should never stop moving. The pen should not stop touching the page, uh, you know, except for you know, I mean, unless you write in cursive, obviously you are going to kind of pick up the pen, but don't stop writing. Just it could be garbled nonsense gibberish, but just journal on this every day for a week and then go back and read everything you wrote and see if there's some insight there. It could be it probably is a multitude of reasons. It's probably not just one thing, but that'll give you a better grasp of why this hasn't happened yet and what you need to work through. Okay, so that's step one. Moving on to step two, referring to my outline again, because when the lights are on, <laughs> it's sometimes hard. Okay, so step two is really doing some inner work. And 
Specifically, I want you to ask yourself, are you ready for the type of partnership that you want? So I remember once the comedian and I broke up and once I finally accepted that it was over and he's not the guy for me and I want someone else, I made a list of everything I was looking for in a partner. And it was really fucking long. It was like three, four pages long. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to be specific and I'm going to be great. And like, I'm going to stop dating losers and I'm going to hold out for this type of guy. And then I remember remember a few months later looking at that list and it clicked for me like 75% or more of that list was actually things that I wanted for myself but I didn't subconsciously believe that I could achieve these things on my own therefore they were on a list of things that I was looking for in a partner and listen I talked to a lot of fucking people doing this work and I can tell you at least half if not more, of what people look for in a partner are actually traits that they want within themselves. Like it's uncanny how often I see this. Like I've never not seen this. I'll put it like that. Um, But yeah, look at that list and be like, okay, these are the things that I want in a partner. Am I these things myself? Um, Like one thing that I remember... I really wanted in a partner was like that silliness, that humor, that whatever. But like it wasn't until I was able to be there myself that I actually was able to find that in a partner. Another thing, like I really wanted a relationship that was low in conflict. Like I had been in a lot of relationships where there was fighting and there was breaking up and there was making up and it was just so conflict laden because I had such severe anxious attachment and I'm sure I was attracting the wrong guys, but that's neither here nor there. But like one of the things that's so common with anxious attachment is when you get, when you start to feel insecure, um, you, or like when your attachment system is activated, it's called, you resort to protest behaviors and protest behaviors are a range of behaviors that you unconsciously engage in, in an attempt to reestablish connection. So like you feel someone pulling away from you and, and instead of being like, Hey, what's going on here? You might try to pull away from them to try to like get them spinning, or you might try to make them jealous, or you might like threaten to break up with them so that they're like, wait, 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 no, no, no. Like, I really want to be with you. I really love you. Like testing, like these are all various types of protest behavior. So I had such severe anxious patterning that I was constantly engaging in this type of protest behavior. And so I constantly had relationships that were full of conflict. And here's the thing, like there are some guys who I think like really put up with that shit. And I shouldn't even say guys, there are some people that will put up with that shit and other people who have a very low tolerance for it. So the comedian is someone who had an extremely low tolerance for it. Like basically I pulled that shit one time and he was done with me. But I've dated guys who will put up with that shit endlessly endlessly they will put up with that. And that's not what I wanted. Like I didn't want a guy who just enabled my shit. Like I didn't just want a guy where it's like, you can be yourself. If you can't have me at your my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best. Like, nah, that's toxic fucking mentality. No, 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 no. I wanted to actually be at my best. And I mean, obviously you're not always at your best, but your worst shouldn't be abusive to other people. And like, I was just sick of that type of relationship. So I really had to work through that anxious patterning before I was ready for the type of relationship that I wanted to be in. And it could be your thing could be different from what my thing was, but (laughs) whatever it is, like, are you actually, um, capable of the type of relationship that you want. So for step two, this is the action plan that I think you should take. First, make a list of everything that you're looking for in a partner. Put that aside for now. Then make a list of everything that you're looking for in a relationship. Put that aside from now. Now pull out list number one, everything that you're looking for in a partner and go through the list item by item and ask yourself, do I have this? Yes or no. And for everything that you don't have, see if you can 
how can you get closer to this thing? So like, for example, let's say you have on your list that you're looking for a guy who, I don't know, I'm, I'm just going to throw out an arbitrary number, makes at least $150,000 a year. Amazing, whatever. Do you make $150,000 a year? If not, how could you get there? Could you maybe spend a little bit less and start investing that money? Could you, are there like um, other income portals that you could open up? Like, are there, like, how could you get closer to getting there? Let's say you are looking for a guy who um, exercises consistently. Do you exercise consistently? If not, how can you start? Like, how can you start implementing that? Um, let's say you um, are looking for a partner who has a good relationship with their family. Do you have a good relationship with your family? And listen, like you can't control other people, but there are certainly steps that you could take to improve your relationship with your own family. So look at all of the areas where you are not where you are expecting your partner to be and make a list of steps that you can take to embody those elements more in your own life. And now pull out your second list. That's the list of everything that you're looking for in a relationship. And for each item, ask yourself, am I capable of bringing that to a relationship? Like for me, for example, like I wanted a relationship that was calm and easy and like not a lot of explosive fighting. I wasn't fucking capable of bringing that to a relationship. So if the answer for something is no, ask yourself, okay, how can I get closer to that? For me, it was working through the anxious attachment piece. Like I really had to get to secure attachment before I could find my person. So yeah, like step two is really taking inventory of where you're at and are you actually in the place that you want to be to be in the type of relationship that you want to be in. And that's not to say that you have to be like perfect or perfectly healed or anything to meet your person far fucking from it. But you always bring into your life based on where you're at at a neurochemical level. So your brain is constantly manifesting the reality around it based on what it knows and what it's comfortable with and what it has experience in and is sure that won't kill you, right? So if you only have experiences where you've been in really toxic, tumultuous relationships and you haven't worked through the trauma behind that and you haven't worked through the trauma that even caused that in the first place and you haven't visualized a different type of upbringing where you didn't have all those traumas and you had a more secure background, then your brain is just looping on that orbit of toxic, chaotic, fighting. And that's the reality that you're going to see around you because your brain is constantly filling in with what it knows because what it knows won't kill you, right? So you really have to get yourself there. Step three, and this is going to be a little counterintuitive, is you're going to have to fucking release, specifically release timelines. Now, if you go into something with like, a, I have to find someone by X, by Y, by Z, you're going to be approaching dating with desperate energy and that shit never fucking works. I remember in 2019, this is like after I'd accepted that me and the comedian were over and I was like trying to find someone and it wasn't fucking happening for all of the reasons that I've already listed. And then like around this time in 2019, I remember um, a guy friend of mine randomly came over like he like called me and was like, hey, I'm with a friend. We're two blocks away. Like, can we come over? for a minute to say hi. And I was like, yeah, sure. He came over. His friend was really fucking cute. Like we really hit it off. We exchanged numbers. And then I was like, oh my God. Okay. There's like four weeks left till Christmas. Like if we go on our first date next week, then like, um, then, you know, maybe if we go out on a few more dates, then like by Christmas, maybe we can do this and we can do this and we can do this. And like all of these visions that I've always had for my life. And I just came at it with such fucking desperate energy and nothing ever happened with me and that guy. Because when you come in with that type of desperate energy, even if people can't 
consciously observe it. They can feel it on a subconscious level and it feels fucking icky. And you know why it feels icky? Because at the end of the day, it's not like I was like so into that guy. No, I was so into filling that void within myself. And that's not sincere and it's not authentic. So you're going to have to release timelines. And actually my action step for step three is really fucking easy. Just face your worst fear. What's your worst fear? That you're going to go through Christmas alone? That you're going to be alone for your holiday Christmas party, not have a date? Is it that you're going to go home for the holidays and your family's going to be like, oh, still not dating anyone? Is it um, not having a New Year's Eve kiss? Like get really specific on what your worst fear is around this and then confront your worst fear. So visualize it happening. If you're in the Blush Academy, do the facing your fears neural rewiring practice from the attachment styles course. That one really, it takes you into a deep hypnotic state and then has you face the thing that you're most afraid of so that you can stop being afraid of it essentially so you can loosen your grip and here's the thing like if you're actually alone for Christmas who gives a shit you're gonna be around for so many more Christmases like it doesn't matter release the timelines like just release them like it's it's not that big of a deal you're gonna have to work through this I highly highly recommend that facing your fears NRP it is the best NRP anytime you're kind of clinging on to something or you're afraid that something's going to happen or, you know, you just kind of have that desperate energy around something. It's your, that desperate energy is never going to make something happen for you. And that facing your fears NRP is the best way to get through that desperate energy. And then the last step is like, you got to fucking take action, baby. I mean, I remember when the comedian and I broke up and I finally accepted that it was over. Um, Yeah, I was grasping way too tightly. Yeah, I was nowhere near where I needed to be on an inner level to um, be in the type of relationship that I wanted. Yeah, I was filling a void. But guess what? The other reason is why I didn't meet someone because I wasn't trying. I wasn't on dating apps. I wasn't going out. I wasn't socializing. Like I was barely leaving the fucking house. Of course I wasn't meeting anyone, you know? You have to actually put yourself out there. Like it's not just going to happen through forces of magic. Like someone isn't going to fall through your ceiling. And here's why. Even if you're really spiritual, even if you really believe that you can manifest anything that you want without taking action, let's just say that that's what you believe. Beautiful, stunning, good for you. Here's the thing. If you're not taking action, there's a reason why you're not taking action. And usually that reason is fear. It's, um, you know, pushing it away for some reason. It's subconsciously not really wanting it. It's there's some kind of unresolved trauma. And we're, we're really going back to step one, right? If you're not taking action, there's a real reason there. And that reason you can think of it is the thing that's pushing it away. Like, again, if you're like really, you know, that woo woo, like the universe can make anything happen. I don't have to take any action steps like a guy could fall through my ceiling. Sure. Sure, he could. But you actually have to be there energetically. And if you're taking zero action steps, it's because you're not there energetically. And, you know, longtime listeners of the pod know exactly what I'm about to say. Get on dating apps. Just get on dating apps. I mean, here's the thing. You might say like, oh, I don't like dating apps. They make me feel icky work through why it makes you feel icky. I had the same thing. I was like, oh, it makes me feel gross. It makes me feel icky. Like, I don't like the feeling like blah, blah. It's overwhelming. It's too much. Like I came up with every excuse under the sun. But the real reason is that I wasn't emotionally, I wasn't energetically actually ready to be in a relationship. So of course I was pushing it away. Right. I mean, I always like to use this analogy. So if you've heard me say this, I'm sorry, um, but it's worth repeating. And if you've never heard me say this, then you're in for a treat. Let's say your toilet was overflowing or something and you needed to hire a plumber. What would you do? You would probably Google like a good plumber in your area, call them and have them come, right? 
It's the most direct way of finding a plumber. Dating apps are the most direct way of finding single people in your area to connect with, right? If you really wanted a plumber, would you be like, well, maybe like I'll go to a party next week and meet a plumber. Yeah, that could happen. Or like you wouldn't be like, oh, well, you know, maybe um, my friend will call me about a plumber that she recently met. Or like maybe I'll be walking down the street and I'll run into a plumber. Yeah, all of those things could happen. But if you really wanted a plumber, you'd fucking Google or Yelp or whatever and find a fucking plumber and hire them. You wouldn't just wait to purchase chance meet a plumber I mean the toilet would overflow and if like me you live on top of a gallery that's fucking nuts then the gallery would flood and you'd have to deal with the whole thing <laughs> but like, you need the fucking plumber right same thing here if you actually genuinely really want to meet someone is it possible that you'll meet someone at a party of course is it possible that you'll bump into someone at the, on the street of course is it possible that you'll be in the grocery store and you're gonna reach for a granny smith apple and he's gonna reach for a granny smith apple at the same time and your hands touch and you feel this wave of electricity go through your body of course that's fucking possible but guess what? If you really want to meet someone, the most direct way of doing it is being on the apps. And you could still have your grocery store meet cute even if you're on the apps. You could still go to a party and meet someone even if you're on the apps. You could still be walking down the street and start talking to someone and meet even if you're on the apps. It's not one or the other. It should be both. It should be all. I mean, again, I say this a lot, but billionaires have on average seven different streams of income. I want you to have seven different streams of seven different portals of potentially meeting someone. You should be on the apps, but you should also keep your eyes peeled every time you're out. You should also, you know, when you're out at bars or whatever, be talking to people. Your friends should know that you're single. And if they meet someone who you might align with, put you in touch. You should be, you know, doing the types of activities that you like doing such that you could potentially meet someone like all of these things should be in play. But like, really, if you really want to be in a relationship and you're not on apps, I can guarantee you there is some kind of fear. There is some kind of subconscious belief. There's something that is pushing it away on a subconscious level. And until you work through that, you're probably not going to meet someone, whether on the apps or otherwise. So you're going to have to work through that. So the action step for this step is number one, if you're having a lot of resistance towards being on apps, I want you to be really fucking honest with yourself about why you have this resistance and be really honest with yourself. You know, there was a survey done where um, people were surveyed as to whether they think that they're self-aware or not. And I think about 100% of people said that they think that they're really self-aware. But then the actual study found that only about 10% of people are actually self-aware. 90% of people think they are, but are not, which, you know, by definition, <laughs> if you're not self-aware, it makes sense that you're not going to be aware that you're not self-aware, because if you were aware that you're not self-aware, then you wouldn't be self-aware, right? That math maths, right? Um, but so if you're out here being like, it just doesn't resonate, it just doesn't align for me, you're part of that 90%, babe. You're a part of that fucking 90%. I want you to get really clear and really honest with yourself about why it makes you feel some kind of way and work through that. Now for everyone else, or once you've worked through that, download dating apps and start finessing your dating app profile. I want you to use all of the spaces. So if you have room for seven pictures, you better have seven fucking pictures on your profile. If there's room for four prompts, you better use all four fucking prompts. Do not leave empty space at all on your dating app profile. Now with the pictures, use a variety of pictures. So you want to have a close up of your face. You want to have a full body picture. And then you want to have different types of pictures that can tell a different story about you. So like if you're really into hiking, have a hiking picture. If you're um, really into like music festivals, have a photo of you at a music festival. Better yet, like wearing your favorite band's t-shirt. Like we want to be able to get information about you just from looking at your pictures. Now your first picture should be one where your 
face is very visible. There are no other people in the photo with you. It should be very clear which one you are. And um, you should look cute. You should look approachable. You should look fun in the first one. The rest, you know, just sprinkle however. Prompts. You want to make sure use every bit of space that you have on your dating app profile to put your best foot forward and to get give a clear holistic photo a picture of yourself don't repeat yourself like if you have a photo if you have two photos with your dog you don't need to mention that your dog is your best friend somewhere else on your profile we fucking get it okay you're into your dog you don't need to hit us over the head with it like once is enough um so make sure you give us like a good wide variety of things that you want. Never, ever, ever sound jaded. So no like swipe left if this, swipe left if that. No, don't be negative. Don't be jaded. I don't care that you're like 42 years old and you've been on the apps for the past 15 years. 15 years, have they been around that long? Whatever, 10 years and nothing has worked for you. That's fine. T- today's not the day to sound jaded. Your dating app profile is not the place to work through the frustration and the bitterness that you feel with your dating experiences not having gone well. That's for therapy. That's for your Blush Academy work. You can bitch to me and your your DMs, but your dating app profile is not the place for that. I don't care if like you've dated a bunch of chicks who... um work in finance and work late hours and you don't like that vibe, you're not going to put in your dating app profile swipe left if you work, if you work in finance. Nope, 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 nope. None of that. None of that. Don't be negative. Don't be jaded. Um, what else? Um, be really clear and upfront about what you're looking for. If you're looking for a relationship, most dating apps now have a section where you put in what you're looking for. Put in that you're looking for a relationship. Don't try to be cool and be like, oh, I don't know. I'm good with the flow. No, if that's what you want, be upfront about it. And lastly, and this is like maybe the most important, put things in your dating app profile that people can respond to. One of my favorites is the prompt that's two truths and a lie. And because A, it's a really good opportunity to share more things about yourself, like pick out two truths that are really interesting and engaging. And then the fact that there is a lie is going to have, give the other person an opportunity to, um, to try to like guess and like just something to say if they like your profile they're gonna be like oh how do I message this person boom two truths and a lie is the best way to message oh is number three the lie oh is number two the lie it is the perfect fucking opportunity to reply so I mean it doesn't have to be that one I just really like to advocate for that one but just make sure there are things on your profile that people can respond to and start message uh, start conversation around and um the last action step that I have for step four is to spend like 10 to 15 minutes a day swiping and messaging on the apps and if you you're um, someone who messages first or like if you're, uh, you know, a straight female on Bumble or something and you have to message first, I really advocate for picking something on their profile and messaging them about that. Don't say hi. Don't say how are you. Don't say something cliche and standard. Message about something specific on their profile so you can actually get conversation going. Okay. Listen, I understand that this time of year can be really triggering for so many reasons, but one of the things really can that can be triggering is being single and not wanting to be single and the holidays really have a, a way of throwing it in your face. And if you follow these steps, listen, can I guarantee that you're going to have a partner by Christmas? No, absolutely not. Especially because some of these steps require a lot of work. Like if you're clinging on really tightly and like you're really desperate for romance and like you're in a really like whatever kind of place, like you might have to really work through your attachment stuff, which might not happen overnight, you know, but you can certainly start and get that energy moving and just start this plan. What I can guarantee if you follow this plan is that you will find the right person for you so long as you're consistent. It could be tomorrow. It could be next week. It could be next month. It could be in the next six months, but it's not going to take longer than that. So long as you're actually really being honest with yourself and actually really working through these things. 
Um, okay, I'm going to wrap it up here before the camera dies. <laughs> Although we're trying something new to see if we can prevent the camera from overheating. So we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Um, but we are going to end this episode as we end every single episode. And that is with gratitude. And the reason that we do this is because having a gratitude practice has been scientifically proven to increase your levels of happiness. Now, the key is you want to list new things that you're grateful for every single time. You never want to repeat yourself. And the reason for that is because as you scan for things that you could be grateful for, you're actually strengthening the part of your brain that looks for the good in life. And it makes you, it's like training a muscle. You're strengthening your optimism muscle. And that in turn makes you a happier person. And so I invite you as I list three new things that I'm grateful for this week, for you to list three new things that you're grateful for either today or this week or whatever works for you. Um, okay. So I am grateful. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, oh, I'm grateful that last week I got so many, um, recipes videoed and ready so that I can like kind of take a break from recording recipes for the next few weeks and focus more on the podcast and more on other things. Um, I am grateful that I made plans to go out right after this because I really, really want to set an intention to just go out once a week. Like it doesn't come naturally for me. I have so much resistance around it, but I think it's a really good thing for me to force myself to do this. And oh, I'm grateful. Um, getting. I thought I had one in my head, but I don't. Um, and like the thing is, I want to avoid like I was going to say, I'm really grateful for Ozzy and that like even if it ends up being just the two of us for Thanksgiving, at least I have him. But like I know I've said I'm grateful for him before, so I don't want to do that again. Um, oh, you know what? I'm grateful that I'm not congested like I was last week. You guys don't have to hear me like suffocate to death <laughs> as I'm trying to speak. So I'm grateful for that. So um, take this moment to list what you are grateful for also. And I really recommend making this a daily practice. And maybe at your Thanksgiving dinner, you guys can go around the table and everyone can list three things that they're grateful for because, yeah. That's that's the spirit of Thanksgiving, right? Other than colonialism and stealing land from indigenous people. <laughs> okay, we're going to wrap up here. You guys know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe. Please, you know, share this episode in your Instagram stories and tag me. Please leave a review. Um, we do a giveaway every month where at the end of the month, um, I randomly select from the reviews a winner and that winner gets a free membership to the Blush Academy and the Blush Academy is the best place to go for regulating your nervous system, for working through anxious attachment, for working through all of the types of baggage that could be holding you back from having the relationships of your dreams. So you don't want to fucking miss it. And um, if you just want to sign up for the Blush Academy, you can do that too. The link is in the show notes. Okay, have an amazing holiday. We will talk next week. Love you guys. Bye.